Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Thank you for joining us. The foundation of genuine salvation is based on our belief in an application of the entire uncompromised word of God. We must live in it, walk in it, talk in it, aid in it, love in it, stand firm in it, abide in it, and so on. All love, honor, and glory belong to God. We must continuously strive to abide in the word of God and all that we think, say, and do. This is the true measure of genuine salvation. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander enlightens us today on how to know if we are genuinely saved. Preaching time. As we prepare to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, we're so gracious enough to turn to 1 John, toward the end of the Bible. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and then skip down to verses 9 through 11, and then skip down to verses 15 through 17. And there you'll find these words. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Verse five, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Skip down to verse nine. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walk in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And all God's children said, not the reading of God's holy word. And from this passage of scripture, we want to preach from a subject that needs to be addressed this morning, as well as around the globe. It is entitled, How to Know If I'm Genuinely Saved. That's a posing, penetrating question that I like to pose to you. How to know if I'm genuinely saved? 
Many Christians, even though saved, struggle with the issue of their own personal salvation. Uh, they're insecure and they lack the security of their salvation. Many Christians, uh, if you were, were to ask many Christians, are you saved? You know what some will say? Some will say, I hope so. Others will say, I think so. Beloved, God doesn't want you to hope so, know, think so. He wants you to know so. Uh, and to live in doubt and uncertainty live in fear and anxiety over whether or not you save will cause you to not walk up to the level or live to the level that God will have you live at to rise to your God-given potential. And Satan will always hinder you uh, from doing the work of God because you struggle at the initial point of your salvation. You see, you, you got to know that you know you know that you know you do know you are saved. You can't guess about that. You can't think about that. You can't hope about that. You got to know about that. It is God's desire and my desire as well to see you no longer struggle with the issue of your salvation, but rather settle the issue once and for all so you can have a sure foundation upon which to build and to live confidently in your eternal security. Because the devil will wreak havoc in your life if you don't know that you know you know you have been born again. So hopefully after this message will have ended, all of you will know for certain about the validity of your salvation. So I pose another transitional question to you. How can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? How can I know? Because I, I, I want to know that so that I can live up to God's expectations for me so that I can be confident in who I am and what I believe. How can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? Well, John begins this chapter speaking to Christians affectionately addressing them as, look at the opening verses there, as my little children. In other words, with a fatherly concern, John deals with the issue of sin and, and the assurance of their salvation. So how do you know if you are really saved? Number one, living, you know that you're saved by living by what is written in Scripture gives you the assurance of your salvation. When you live by what is written in the Holy Scriptures, gives one the assurance of his or her salvation. Um, look at First uh, John 2, 1, the first sentence there. My little children, John speaks to him with a fatherly affection. He's a spiritual father to the church. He says, these things I write to you. Now, don't be so quick to read over the scriptures. Sometimes you, you can't speed read this. You need to read meditatively so that you can catch spiritual insights so as to grow thereby. He said these things. Look, he says, my little children, these things I write to you. In other words, salvation is not based on your feelings. You can't feel safe. You know, you, it's not based on feelings. It's not based on good deeds. And yet we ought to do good deeds. It's not based on being a good moral, pe good moral person. You know, you have people who are good morally and still bust hell wide open. It's not about religious talk. People have a religious talk without a righteous walk. 
It's not about wearing a two-ton cross around your neck. He didn't say wear your cross. He said bear your cross. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. And you're not saved by taking comfort in your church attendance. And uh, we live in a day where very few make church attendance priority. And I often ask many times how many of you have come to church for four consecutive Sundays on time. And when I ask you to raise your hand many times, very few hands have come up. It's amazing how you can't get to work four consecutive Sundays on time and you'll work five, six, seven, eight, seven days a week. Uh, long hours uh, continuously and I wouldn't have more allegiance to money than I would my God. Amen. That's just a side note, but, 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 but you, you salvation is living by what is written. When you live by the scriptures, the scriptures secures your salvation. It gives you the confidence in your salvation. It, 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 it's, it, it, it gives comfort and hope. In the God of scriptures. So knowing that you live by what is written gives you the security of your salvation. Well, what's written? Let me just give a whole lot's written, but let me just give you a few scriptures that's written to give you the divine assurance of your salvation. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's written. What's written? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's written, you must believe. What's written? Romans 5.8 says, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what's written. You believe that. What's written that we must believe? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what you believe. Believe what is written. What do you believe that's written? Romans 10.9. 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You be- I've said enough right there. If you believe that with all your heart, mind, soul and strength without a doubt, that's enough to save you right there. Why don't you say Amen. Living by what's written gives one the divine assurance of his salvation. In other words, salvation only comes by believing what is written in this book. Not Better House and Garden, not Time Magazine, not Newsweek, not Jet, not Oprah Magazine, not any of these things. It's living by what is written that gives us the security, the eternal security of our salvation. You see, trusting the person and works of Jesus Christ alone is the only way you can know for certain and be assured of the God of your salvation. Believing on the word of God and reflecting back when you first accepted Christ assures you and uh, removes your doubt. That's why we ought to have more testimonial services talking about when we got saved and what God did to us and where he's brought us from. That's healthy for a church. Look at verse one. Also, it says, look at verse one, just going out expositionally from the scriptures. It says in verse one, so that you may not sin. That's why you live by what is. That's why you live by what is written. When we live by what is written, it keeps us from a lifestyle of sin. When we live by what is written, I got to say it again. It keeps us from a lifestyle of sin. 
You know something? Let me tell you this. You can live by this book so much that you never get to living a life of sin or you can live a life of sin to the extent that you never get to what is written. You see? So so if you if you live by the book, it keeps you from a lifestyle of sin. And the scripture says, look at verse one again. It says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate, an advocate, underline the word advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In other words, the word of God says, if any of us who are in Christ now be be known to you, there are only two positions. You either in Christ or you're out. That's it. Two categories for all humanity matters whether you call yourself a Baptist or uh, Pentecostal, charismatic, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Bible church, whatever you are, atheist, agnostic, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, environmentalist or, or no mentalist. Uh, two positions, you are either in Christ or out. You see, you're only in Christ and out or out. So the word of God says, if any of us who are in Christ sin, and we have sinned since we've been in Christ, Amen. We struggle with that. We have that, uh, we have the flesh that we live in that give, that has a propensity to sin. The Father has given us His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our advocate. So in this passage, who is our advocate? Who is our advocate? That's right. Talk back to me now. The Greek word for advocate is parakolektos, which means a helper. Advocate, the advocate in this passage is Christ, parakolektos, and uh, Christ is our helper. Now, in the Gospel of John, uh, we see the helper, but it is used uh, of the Holy Spirit. Look in John chapter 14, verse 16. If you can't find it fast enough, just look at the screen and just jot it down. John 14, 16 says, and I pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That's referencing that's referencing that helper. There is the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, but the helper there it is again. Helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, he's identified, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to you, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And that's why it's, it's important that you study the word of God, because when you get in trouble and crisis, God will bring the scriptures back to your remembrance to help you through those times of difficulties. That's why you ought to be memorizing scriptures. That's why you ought to be reading the scriptures. Because when you go through those tough times, it is our script, the scriptures of the Lord that's a tremendous source of comfort. But now turn back to 1 John chapter 2. I got you all over the Bible. This is Maranatha Bible Church. You're lost here if you don't bring a Bible. You got to bring a Bible because that's all we reference here. So, but, but, here in, but, but here in this passage, uh, it refers to Christ, who is also our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Christ is our helper. And God is our helper. In this context, it's Christ who is our helper. And the meaning is clearly our advocate. Now, an advocate is one who comes alongside to help. An advocate is one who comes alongside to intercede. An advocate is one who comes alongside to plead or defend the cause of another, just as a defense attorney in the court of law would do so in representing his client. Church being known unto you today that Jesus Christ is our advocate. He, in other words, he is our helper. He is our defense attorney. And when we sin and Satan accuses us and bring charges against us before the father, Jesus, 
our defense attorney steps in on our behalf and says, yes, he's sinned. Rander has sinned, but my child Rander has confessed his sins and therefore it is covered by my blood. And when God sees the blood, our acquittal is guaranteed and God declares us righteous, innocent, case dismissed. My goodness. All this is possible because Jesus Christ, you see that word there in verse one, these big words, Jesus Christ is the perpetuation for our sins. In other words, the word perpetuation means appeasement or satisfaction. Say appeasement, satisfaction. That's what the word perpetuation means. In other words, it means that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross fully satisfied the righteous demands of a holy and just God. You know, our sins and our offense against God demanded that we be put to death and destroyed and die spiritually. But Jesus Christ took our place on that cross and died in our place. And he took the wrath that we should have experienced from God. And the, and the wrath of Jesus was a, of God. The father was appeased, a satisfied to the point that we no longer uh, have that on us because Jesus took our hit. He took our hit. You know, he took a hit for us. He took the licking for us. He, uh, I mean, he took the curse for us. That we would be redeemed and saved and made right before a holy and just God. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look at 2B. Look at first, look down at the B section of verse one. Uh, look at verse 2B. It says, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Y'all see that in the text? This verse does not say that everyone will be saved. It doesn't say that, but but rather uh, anyone who hears the gospel can be saved if he or she so desires. The death of Jesus on the cross made salvation available for all. However, only those who repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, receives the grace of God. How can one know if he or she uh, is genuinely saved? Obedience to God's commandment is a sure sign of genuine salvation. I'm trying to help you, and you need to pass this on to other folk, because because you you'd be surprised of people who name the name of Christ uh, are not certain or for sure about their salvation. If you're obedient to the commandments, the Holy Scripture, that is a sure sign that you are saved. Look at verse three. It says, "Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments." You see, obedience to God's word is proof of our love for him. I love what Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary. Uh, he says, there are three motives. I quote, there are three motives for obedience. We can obey because we have to, because we need to, or because we want to. A slave obeys because he has to. If he doesn't obey, he will be punished. An employee obeys because he needs to. He may not enjoy his work, but he does enjoy getting his paycheck. He needs to obey because his family needs to be clothed and fed. But a Christian is to obey his heavenly father because he want to. Not because we have to, need to, because we want to. 
for the relationship between him and God, between us and God is one of love. John 14, 15 states, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's powerful. In other words, keeping the commandments of God is the external visible proof of salvation since only God knows the heart. Now, people say they're saved. You really don't know if they're saved. We don't know the heart like God knows the heart. Right. Right. So you say, well, how do you know if a person's saved? Well, you really ultimately only God knows. But there are some real indicators that a person is saved. If a person saying they are saved, but they're not keeping the commandments of God, then they are not what? Say first John two, four, look at first John two, four. It says he, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. So it's not what I'm saying. It's what the book is saying is a liar. And the truth is not in him. In other words, you say you love God, but you live like the devil. That's a, that's a true indication that you, you're either a baby Christian still trying to find your way, wallowing in a mess and need to grow up or you don't know him at all. John had no problem calling those who claim to know him while not keeping the commandments a liar who does not possess the truth. I mean, you know, John cut it just like it was. He cut to the chase. He didn't play. He he didn't play with the issue of salvation. And that's why the church is not effective uh, today because you got so many folk in the name of Christ wearing Christian paraphernalia, all of these things, but have no relationship uh, with the Lord. It's a dangerous thing to be lost in the house. It's a dangerous thing to be at the church, but not in the church. It's a dangerous thing to be so close, but not in. John had no problem calling those who claim to know him while not keeping the commandments a liar who does not possess the truth at all. A man's words must be tested by his works. A man's words must be tested by his works. When his conduct contradicts his profession, it proves him to be a liar, according to verse four. When he, I, re, I reiterate, when his conduct contradicts his profession, it proves him to be a liar. Uh, Luke, Luke 646 says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? You're not going to do what I say. Stop calling me Lord. I'm not your Lord. You own your own. First John 2, 5 says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. In other words, we know that we're in Christ when we are obedient to his word. Our love for Christ creates a thirst for the word of God. And when the word of God is consumed, it brings us into spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. Those who love the word of God matures in his or her relationship with Christ and mature folk in Christ uh, are fruitful folk. Babies are not fruitful. Babies need help. Yeah, babies are selfish. And the worst thing you can have is a church full of spiritual babies and my seat. My parking lot. Why I gotta do this? Why I gotta tie? Why I gotta, why, why, why? Stop whining. Babies whine. Mature saints praise God for the opportunity. 
That is a critical distinctiveness there that we all must address. You see, obedience to God's word is what gives us the assurance of our salvation. There, listen to this, there is no assurance apart from obedience. If you're, if you're hit and miss the day you obey, tomorrow you disobey, the day you feel saved, the day, next day you don't feel saved, one day you're on, one day you're off, one day you're blessing God, next day you cursing God, you're cussing folk out and all that kind of stuff. Listen, you will struggle. You will struggle. There is no assurance apart from obedience. The more obedient you are, the more sure you are. Say that with me. The more obedience I am, the more sure I am. The more obedience I am, the more sure I am. Thank you. Therefore, there is no assurance apart from obedience. Number three, how can I know if I'm genuinely saved? Abiding in Christ gives us the assurance of our salvation. Abiding in Christ gives us the assurance of our salvation. You say, where is that? It's in verse six. Look at the text. It says, he who says he abides. What does abide mean? It means to live in Christ. It means to remain in Christ. In him ought him also to walk just as he walked. So abiding in Christ gives us the assurance of our salvation. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus at home in you? That's a big question. Is he at home in you? Does he feel comfortable living in you? Now, how many of you know that you know you know that you know you know you're saved? Let me see your hand. Come on, don't fool me. Nah, if you're not saved by the end of this message, you can get saved. But now, now you, you, raise your, you raise your hand saying, uh, I have him. But now my question is, is he at home? <laughs> Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Is he at home in you? Does he feel, does it bring him pleasure and delight to live within you? The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word. For his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.